All right, so we're waiting for Blake. We're going to start in three minutes without. Oh, hey, there we go. We we have official like full quorum. Like wow, look at all the faces on this screen. <laughs> Is there I a button to hit when we want to talk? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Just so you know, Blake for about twenty minutes before his connection drops. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back to another great episode of Bourbon Pursuit. And if this is your first time joining us, have you hit that subscribe button yet? You know, you can go to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever it is, hit the subscribe button, make sure you get every new episode. But if you're more of a video person, make sure you go to YouTube, Facebook, hit the subscribe button there, or I guess the like button too, and you can get all the new episodes coming straight to your device every single week. Now, we talked about it last week. And we're going to continue to keep talking about it until the week approaches. But Bourbon and Beyond, this is something that is uh, very top of mind for us. And that's only because, A, we're going to be there. Every big name in Bourbon is going to be there, including the people that are on the roundtable tonight. But we're also giving you the chance to be there, too. So make sure that if you are a Patreon subscriber, we're giving away two pairs of tickets through Patreon. And if you're not a Patreon subscriber, we're giving away two pairs of tickets on Facebook as well. So make sure you go to one of those two avenues. And not only that, uh, if you're on Patreon, guess what? You get to double dip. So go get your name in the hat everywhere. And we're giving away tickets, three pairs of GA tickets for all this. And then one pair on Facebook of a Mint VIP weekend experience. It's valued at $1,000, access to uh, your own private bathrooms, air conditioned areas, VIP viewing stages. This is gonna be one hell of a package, so make sure you go and get yourself entered. And tickets are running low. If you go to bourbonbeyond.com and try to look for tickets, you're gonna see that you're gonna be in the minority of being able to get early access or anything like that for discounts because they are gonna get sold out relatively quickly as this weekend approaches. So make sure you go get entered. Now, today's episode is a fun one. A, because it's Bourbon Community Roundtable. We have a lot of great people. B, this is the first time that Fred Minnick has joined us on the Community Roundtable, so there's a lot of knowledge bombs that are going to be dropped. Uh, C, we had full quorum. We had literally everybody on. So you're going to have the the whole team on, uh, plus the extended Bourbon Community Roundtable that are joining in this one. So there's a lot of good knowledge. We talk about MGP, about a lot of the distilleries that are sourcing when is the right time to start shifting and start introducing your own juice or mixing your own juice or selling your own juice because we'll take some examples of what have been happened recently and then the second half of the podcast is really looking at a lot of stuff of heaven hill we have all had the opportunity to try the heaven hill releases that have that are going to be coming out for the fall parker's heritage the new old fits as well as the 27 year and we kind of give our opinions on them and then lastly, we get into Brian's favorite subject of laws. And we talk about Heaven Hill suing Bob Dylan, right? So it's going to be, we've got a lot of great topics. So you're going to really enjoy this episode. And if you are a fan of private barrel picks, this is something that we talk about all the time on the show about being the new unicorns. And we've announced even more barrel picks that are coming through Patreon. This puts us at almost 12, maybe 13 barrels for 2018, if my count is correct. And it's only August. So head on over to patreon.com where you can get 
uh, you know, not only help us support the podcast, but you can get access to these. Not only get the chance to join us on the barrel pick, but you can also buy bottles from these barrel picks. So patreon.com slash bourbon pursuit. Your support goes a long way. Plus, I mean, hell, you get a lot of cool stuff in return and even access to barrels are pretty awesome. Another thing for Patreon supporters that if we are getting ready, we are at a two week countdown to the end of the month. And that means we have got another $5 giveaway, a bunch of new swag. So $5 more per month, you get entered into a monthly giveaway and uh, we'll see who wins this month. But with that, make sure that if you want all the show notes, beam straight to your inbox every Thursday morning, go to bourbonpursuit.com, sign up for our email list. And if you want to see what we're drinking on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, whatever it is, go and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, uh, whatever your favorite social media platform is. We're usually posting somewhere all the time, but Instagram is starting to blow up. Amazed by people loving to scroll down and, and like stuff. And I'm finding myself to doing it all the time. But with that, enjoy this week's episode. And here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. After I put my son to bed, I craved the rich, caramel-laden taste of Weller. You know how it is. You get in the mood for something and nothing else will satisfy. I walked toward my bourbon shelf and saw a Weller Antique 107, pulled it, poured it dry, and took a sip. And then I noticed the label. Oh, no. This is the last of that bottle, I thought. On the backside was the sticker, Sergeant Ryan Jopek Memorial Scholarship. If that name sounds familiar, President Obama remembered Ryan several years ago during one of his speeches and wore a bracelet in his memory. I am also very close with his father, Brian, who's the godfather to my son, Oscar, and was my Iraq war battle buddy. When we returned home from Iraq, Ryan was shipped to the Middle East. He would later be killed on my birthday in 2006 and I've watched my best friend deal with the pain of losing his oldest child. It's not been easy for any of us. Nothing will ever bring Ryan back, but the bourbon community remembers Ryan through its support for the Jopek family. Every year, the charity group Bourbon Brigante selects a barrel in Ryan's honor. The proceeds go toward the Ryan Jopek Memorial Scholarship, which is given to a Wisconsin resident who illustrates the same passions as Ryan demonstrated. Well, I take that back. We couldn't put chasing young women on the application, but you get the point. The bourbon honors the young man and preserves his memory. As I sipped the last of the bottle, I remembered Ryan's brilliant smile, his ridiculous loyalty to the Chicago Bears, and was saddened I never shared a dram with the young man. But then it dawned on me. As I felt sorrow overtaking my emotions, I realized that the bourbon community is all about uplifting spirits. In the past year, I've seen the bourbon community, both distillers and consumers, raise millions, that's right, millions of dollars for charities. This is who we are. Bourbon people are a community of big hearts. As the final drops of Weller warm my belly, I ask myself, what can I do to help somebody? I believe that's a message Sergeant Ryan Jopek would have supported. And that's this week's Above the Char. Do you have an idea for a segment? Hit me up on Twitter, at Fred Minnick. 
That's at Fred Minnick, M-I-N-N-I-C-K. Until next week, cheers. And they're off for another Give 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 000 Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back to another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. We are back with our 23rd recording of the Bourbon Community Roundtable, and we have got full quorum tonight. So if you're watching this on video, you're going to see lots of little tiny screens of video that are happening. But we've got uh, one person that's the newest edition of Bourbon Pursuit that is also his first Bourbon Community Roundtable recording. So, uh, well, Ryan, first off, hey, and then welcome Fred as well. Hey, what's going on? Yeah. So Fred's I, more important. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But Fred, Fred did put up a new sign, if anybody's watching on video, that says vodka sucks in his background. I don't know how that got there. I just walked into my office today and someone put it there. So someone's running a good prank on me. <laughs> I think I left it there the last time we hung out. I hope Harlan Wheatley's not watching. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Harlan... Um, Harlan, I, I have asked Harlan many times as like, you know, you're one of the greatest bourbon distillers of our time, and yet you choose to name a vodka after yourself versus um, a bourbon. Versus a bourbon. And, you know, the big reason is he's he's a distiller, kind of like some of like a lot of these distillers like Greg Metz and, um, you know, Greg Davis and Harlan Wheatley. A lot of these like just real like distillers are always with the equipment they really do like vodka because it takes a lot of, it does take a lot of effort for them to produce. Now on the consumer side, we, we don't enjoy it as much, but it is not as an easy, it's not as easy to produce because you have to have special equipment, you know, and if you do want to get any flavor out of it, you have to, you know, do certain things. Um, and he's more of a purist craft. What's that? More of a purist kind of craft as opposed it, to bourbon. 
Yeah, I, I think it's 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 a distillation, you know. So distillers like to distill, and he gets to distill that thing a lot. So he he really does enjoy it, and you know, and bourbon is so much of the barrel. And uh, but I really do hate vodka. And uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, can we move I, on? I, can we move yeah, on from yeah, vodka? Yeah, we we've, we've this is the, vodka. the vodka round. That's too. good. That's good. <laughs> Brad, you're already blowing it. Oh, no, it's <laughs> it was only a matter of time. Uh, <laughs> 22 says that uh, Fred secretly drinks Zima in the background when we're not watching. So, <laughs> Can he still get Zima? I haven't seen it in the store. I know it's back. I thought they did like a re-release. It was. Green Jolly Ranchers. That's out this summer. It was. Okay, before we, we dive into it, let's go ahead and do our around the horn real quick. So, Carrie, let's go ahead and start with you, buddy. Hey, guys. Carrie from Suburbia, S-U-B-O-U-R-B-I-A.com. You can find me on uh, Twitter at bourbon underscore gamer. Um, I actually just wrote a blog article. Blog article can't even say it because I don't write it that much. Um, just came out with one. I'm doing a couple more reviews coming up, and uh, find me online. Nice, Jordan. Sure. This is Jordan from Breaking Bourbon. I'm one of the three guys who runs the site. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon at Breaking Bourbon. You can also sign up for our newsletter and uh, to celebrate the upcoming Bourbon Beyond Festival that Fred's helping to run at the end of September. We're doing some ticket giveaways. Uh, for some pairs of general admission tickets on Facebook and Instagram. So make sure to go check it out and you can end up uh, drinking bourbon with a bunch of us seeing this video call today. Absolutely. I think the, the majority of this call is all going to be there. So it's going to be an opportunity yeah. for everybody to do that. And yeah, please go check out Breaking Bourbon's page. Make sure you sign up there. And of course, we've got uh, pairs of tickets we're giving away as well. So for sure, I, I've got a teaser too. for you all too. We're going to have a bourbon green room. So... Very cool. Oh, and, nice. you all, and you all are going to be a part of it. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> it means he doesn't want us with the rest of the population. So he's like, we'll call it something really cool, like the green room. <laughs> I don't want to disappoint anyone. Hey. It's cool to drink bourbon with us. I, I went to high school prom. I, I know how this works. Like a farm to table. I got to make it up there. Yeah, you definitely do. So, Brian, go ahead. You're next. All right. Um, thanks for joining us again. This is uh, Brian with Sippin' Corn, finally most uh, mostly at Twitter, Sippin' Corn, a little bit on Facebook. And uh, everyone except Brian Roberts can uh, look at the new gear here, and this is going to be the new trend in T-shirts, I can tell. And uh, really happy to have this. He hooked me up with this T-shirt, so I'm drinking some turkey tonight. Nice. Well, well, I didn't see it all the way up because the little faces were in the way. Oh, yeah. Explain it for our our audio listeners, too. For the non, I'm sure. I've got the DSPKY with the uh, turkey number. So this is, uh, it's it's inside baseball for dorks like us uh, who know which DSP number is which, and you can show your your love for your brand. So that's wild turkey, the 67? Yeah, that's, yep, that's turkey. Next is me collecting the whole series, right? That is exactly right. Then you got to get the original, the old, the old DSP number, the pre-pro number, and yeah, and get them all. It's kind of like having an eight six two five nine T-shirt. You know, you gotta. That's right. <laughs> you go. Yeah, just yeah. the barcode yeah. on there. That'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. I heard they got Beanie Babies now with DSP numbers on them. So maybe <laughs> Next fad. All right, Blake, go ahead and round it out. All right, so I'm Blake from bourboner.com. You can find me, bourboner.com. Uh, all the social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, 
Instagram, YouTube. Um, I was going to try to save this special announcement till the end of the show, but I figure I'll go ahead and give it out now. So um, most of you probably know there's a Christmas tree decoration that's usually behind me in these things. The Reavers are actually going to be moving, so it may be coming to a Facebook marketplace near you. So <laughs> be on the lookout. This is uh, it's going to be a limited so, uh, Blake's wreath. Yeah, limited edition boxwood tree that um, <laughs> you know gets gets ridiculed in a lot of these things because sometimes it looks like it's on top of my head. You know, I'm not <laughs> lined up straight. So um, yeah, you know, I'll take any trades, any ISOs at this point. So just just be on the lookout on uh, the, the second. More importantly, where are you moving? Uh, Across town, <laughs> a, a house with more than three bedrooms with uh, 12 kids or whatever I have now. So. <laughs> Thanks for the minivan. Really, uh, yeah. The tree's really a canter full of bourbon, right? Hey, yeah. I will say, yeah. like, exactly. you always look well-rested despite having 19 kids. <laughs> your house. I don't understand it. Well, because you the know, kids take care of the farm. He's, he's back <laughs> <Yeah>. inside. <laughs> I'm just sitting in here in the AC with a glass of sweet tea, you know. Uh, <laughs> It's all that football experience he has. He's, you know, he's conditioned for it. As an NFL linebacker, you know, we, uh, I <laughs> we tied in. I did, yeah, I believe I was a tight end. Plight Stalder. One of my favorite um, article, poor, uh, what we call that, poor researching I've ever seen in my entire life was calling me a former NFL tight end. <laughs> <laughs> made my year. Really? <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Uh, keep that to show the kids. Just print it out and frame it now before anybody actually I actually just went research. and like created a Wikipedia page for myself immediately and said uh, you know, accountant, bourbon personality, uh former NFL tight end. <laughs> <laughs> really round out the trio. <laughs> nice. All right, I'm ready for Fred's intro. Well, I mean Fred's part of us, but Fred, if you got something you want to uh, introduce yourself. Um I don't really have anything. I, you know, I guess let's get rolling. I mean, (laughs) good deal. So, uh, we've got 53 viewers that are live with us right now. Uh, back to the, the t-shirt, uh, topic we were talking about. Nick Burleson said we could also do tax stamps across t-shirts as well. So start understanding the years of, uh, tax stamps. But with that, uh, for anybody that is watching live right now, if you've got some questions, you want to uh, kind of toss at us. Go ahead. Feel free to throw them in the chat. We'll get to them. We've got a whole list of good potential topics tonight that is easily going to take up an hour of time, but we'll go ahead and we'll get it started. So we are seeing a lot of new distilleries that are going that are, I mean, typically this is what we see you know, all the time that people are starting distillery. They source 99% of the time. It's usually from MGP. And at some point, they are going to have to start moving to their own distillate. That's sort of like the progress everybody wants to be or try to take because they want to be able to make some sort of revenue. Now, the real question is, is when we we look at somebody that has already done this, uh, we look at OKI uh, to New Riff, right? So that's the New Riff example. Smooth Ambler has done this already. You see a lot of their store picks going away. They've got a few things that are still in the 9 to 11-year range that sort of come out of single barrels, but they're really starting to push big level. 107, some of the stuff that's their their own distillate. And this is eventually going to be the trend we're going to see with a lot of these mid-range or even craft distilleries. So the question that I kind of pose to you guys is when is the right time to do this? Because is there going to be a scenario where somebody could end up shooting themselves in the foot by saying I'm going from um, releases that are the nine to 12 year range and then releasing something that's in the two to four year range? And is it is it going to hurt the brand? Uh, anybody that wants to go first, feel free to chime in. 
There's as, as the oldest. Sorry, Fred. As the oldest, before anyone because <laughs> I'm the only one of you guys who's who was alive and old enough to know this. But in the late '70s, there was a Paul Masson wine commercial with Orson Welles, and he had the tagline, "We will sell no wine before." Wait, it's how old are you? How old are you? I'm I'm really old. I'm older than I. <laughs> And and that's what and that's what these distillers have to do. I mean, they have to hold on to it. They've if their if their bourbon's not ready after four years, they got to hold on to it. I mean, there's no way they can kill their brand by switching from a eight year or twelve year MGP and then start selling something that no one's going to like just because it turned four years and they can not put an age statement on it. I think it, so. They just got to wait. It's like Smooth Ambler. You know, I I do have a lot of respect for Smooth Ambler. I love their um, their old scout products, you know, that they sourced, but, you know, they've been trying to push out their product for a while now. And I'll, I'll be honest, it's just, uh, I haven't really found a taste for it. I'm drinking um, it right now. Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely growing on me, but I think it's still a little bit young and they took, you know, they, I mean, they, they had to take the turn and a lot of people, you know, give them crap for what they're producing, but they're making it with their own hands and they're, they're putting it out and they're honest about everything they put out. And I think in, you know, in a couple more years, it'll be it'll be really good stuff. And I think we had we had talked about this on a previous episode one time. But you know, part of the problem, no matter when you make that transition, I don't care if it's a four year bourbon, I don't care if it's nine year, each as long as you want, right? The thing of it is, up until that point, you've been sourcing your bourbon, you have a very distinct flavor profile that people have gotten used to, right? And the longer you get used to that flavor profile, when you switch over to your own distillate, it's usually going to taste different. And that's that's an issue because now you've had these people who have followed your distillery really loved, even if it's source, they really love the product you put out, but they've gotten used to a very distinct flavor profile, right? Like the Smooth Ambler Big Level I'm drinking now, sure, it's good. It doesn't taste like, you know, what I used to be buy from Smooth Ambler when they used to source it, et cetera. So it's just, it's not only, you know, at what is the right time to put out the bourbon, but how do you get consumers to now believe that you're now changing the flavor profile overall of your product, right? Like think of Coke all of a sudden, it was like, oh, we're going to change your flavor profile. You're just going to start liking it too, right? That's a really tough sell. That's a really tough sell. So this is nothing. This that. is nothing that is new whatsoever. In fact, the big brands are changing their profile all the time. I, e.g., uh, Benchmark, Very Old Barton, uh, some of the Wellers. You know, the fact is, this is American whiskey, and this is how it's been done for hundreds of years. And what it comes down to is, have they been able to build a brand? Can their brand sustain, you know, the market share that they created with the previously sourced whiskey? And what you see is you see you see a lot of uh, these craft distillers who are doing it sourcing. They're finding ways to make it unique for themselves. High West, Smooth Ambler with Contradiction. And so they have been able to create their own uh, flavor profile, whereas a lot of them just bottle straight MGP. And that's those are the people that kind of get caught flat-footed. Now, what's interesting about New Riff, which is what I've been sipping all night, they actually, their number one uh, consultant was Larry Ebersol. Larry Ebersol was uh, the master distiller for the Lawrenceburg, Indiana distillery prior to Greg Metz. So he was able to help them kind of uh, hit that flavor profile that they were looking for. And I'm telling you, I'm tasting that uh, four-year-old uh, new riff. And for four years old, I mean, it's fantastic. And the fact that it's bottled and bond is even better. The fact that it's a small distillery and they're putting it out for less than $40, granted it's 39 
the fact that it's a small distillery and they're not charging me $180 for it, I'm just I'm just ready to spend 40 bucks. You know, I mean, I can afford 40 bucks any day of the week. Most people can. And that that's the kind of move that you want to see someone make, that they've they've taken the progression and they got the right people to help them make the right whiskey. The people who are caught flat-footed are those who have not done a good job of bringing the right people in to get their own flavor profile down. And I Brent, guess like, is that one distributed yet? The one you're talking about, New Riff? It's only in around Kentucky, as far as I understand. It's, just, it's distributed in my office right now. <laughs> Fred, I am so happy you're talking about New Riff because Kenny and I just agreed to a whole barrel of it. So <laughs> it will sell like hotcakes now. No, I'm <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I, I think what you, you have a lot of people kind of like what Fred did of what did they do to build the brand around it? Everyone, I don't think a smooth ambler lost any market share once they start transitioning to their own juice or their own bourbon. Um, but you look at like kind of a poor example of doing this is whenever the, uh, the black maple Hill bounced around the label bounced around and then it became an organ product. And everybody's like, what in the world is this? Well, no, they didn't really build that brand. They were just kind of going off of people buying it because it was, had that same label. So, um, but the quality died, and I doubt there's many people still buying Black Maple Hill, at least in the bourbon community. So it all comes back to, you know, how did you treat your customers? Did you build that base? Um, did, you, did you have that following? And if you did, and if you have a good product still, um, or even if it's just shows promise, I think they'll be okay. But it's kind yeah. of an easy one to screw up, too. Maybe you should um, just make sure that Black Maple Hill doesn't have any more access to cognac bottles to be able to bottle yeah, yeah. it. Right? <laughs> if it does, everyone's in big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I guess another thing, you know, because the same things, uh, you know, this is the story of Whistlepig, right? Like Whistlepig's putting out a bunch of uh, MGP product that's kind of proofing it down, but they're also distilling. And so at some point they yeah. are they are going to uh, – yeah, but, and, but at some point they are going to start mixing your own distillate with – uh, with the source stuff and I, you know, smooth lamb, smooth ambler, I think, was that contradiction? Were they doing that with contradiction as well? Yeah, they, they blended that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I kind of want to get you guys' feeling about this. Like, is that the way that they should be going as well to try to find this particular flavor profile? Or is it just like, Hey, we've got some stuff. Let's go ahead and put it out there. Like, is, is that the right? I don't think uh, young whiskey can well. compete. I mean, young, yeah. young whiskey is young whiskey, no matter where it's made or how it's made. You can't hide age. You, know, you can't buy age. So you <laughs> got to mix it. And if you've come up with a good blend of it, I mean, I had one 107 blend from Smooth Ambler that I thought was really good. But most of them, to me, I feel like it's the young, the young profile, the young flavor always dominates to me. But I think if you're able to blend it just right with just enough age, you get something that, that tastes pretty good. Like wasn't the, um, the first batch of Kentucky Owl, was that blended? A couple different blends it's all bourbon straight whiskey yeah. um but yeah a bunch of barrels i'll say this it's it's very important to note that this is how julian van winkle did it this is how trey zoller started uh jefferson's and we cannot discount the humans touching the whiskey and there's a lot of lot of source whiskey purveyors who have incredible palates in their in their midst one one that comes to mind is barrel bourbon yeah, barrel yeah, Barrel no. bourbon, um, you know, release after release, some are better than others, but they have created a, a kind of a house profile for themselves. And you can, you can taste, you can taste their, 
you, you can taste it in their in their blends. You can taste it in their in their bourbons, not as much with their rise. And they just have a really good palate for finding good spirits because you know they're also bottling rum. Mm. And I, I think that if as long as you have the right team in place, the right palates, the right consultants, and everything, you're always going to be able to hit that mark. Yeah, for sure. I think you know, going back to your your question, Kenny, on, on mixing both sourced and your own. I mean, look at High West, for example, right? So they've slowly been, you know, both Rendezvous Rye, Double Rye, now Campfire. They just made the announcement. They're slowly putting in more and more of their own distillate um, with their sourced whiskey. And I think eventually, you know, their goal is to phase it out. But they're going for like a much longer runway much longer timeline so eventually people are just gonna say all right so they've done it so slowly that we don't even realize the difference versus yanking the band-aid right off um which is which is an interesting approach to take for sure yeah some of it has to do with the fact that the sourced whiskey probably went up a lot in price when bourbon for sure you know the popularity went crazy especially with smooth ambler they, they couldn't get any more mgp barrels they were you know they were so popular everybody loved that program Yep, and then it just became. It seems like the prices kept going up to the point where they couldn't get it anymore. So yeah. I'll tell you what the the price for. Um, let me. You guys keep talking. Um, I get a. I get updated on what the wholesale pricing is for for stuff by by a source. You guys, you, I'll tell you what uh, a barrel of like eight year old bourbon right now is going for in the uh, from MGP. No, this would well. I got an MGP source, and then I got a. Uh, uh, keep talking. I got to find. So, it. I guess well, another I, question. I, well, I was gonna, Go ahead, Ryan. Well, just for me personally, as a consumer, I would rather have new discipline mixed with aged stuff. I just me, I just don't want to spend the money on a young whiskey that's not that's not going to be worth my money. I don't know. I would rather them mix and then gradually transition versus like here's our new stuff. Hope you like it and. I don't know. That that would be me personally. Because the young always comes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the young notes you can't really hide too much because you're always going to get that grain, uh, those grain notes out of it. But another question I want to throw out to you guys is like, when do you stomach up and maybe buy another bottle? Like maybe it's been two years, right? We've all got enough bourbon in our bunkers that we wouldn't have to buy another bottle for <laughs> 10 years. But um, at what point have you, did you try something and you're like, eh, this could, you need to wait a little bit longer and then maybe wait two years. Like, is, is that enough time? Uh, do you wait for, uh, the next breaking bourbon extended review to come out to be able to say like, okay, well now I'll go pick up another bottle. Like what, what's your, I judge it based on secondary market cost. (laughs) (laughs) I think it goes up a lot. That means it's a really good bottle. Uh, Shout out to old body. body, If you guys want to know, like this is the barrel pricing right now for, um, for wholesale, uh, for for a source whiskey purveyor to like get a to get a barrel of eleven uh, year old Kentucky, seven grand. A single barrel is a seven grand. So they've got to you know pay for the bottle. They got to pay for um, the processing and all that. Um, a little Was a little younger, sixty five hundred. That's for for a barrel. And then tw- then Tennessee whiskey, Tennessee whiskey is quite or Tennessee bourbon is quite a bit. Cheaper, so anytime anything anything from Kentucky or for Tennessee or Indiana is typically you know either half or two to three thousand dollars left. So the 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 Kentucky bourbon, the juice from there from here is always going to be more valuable. So, but is that seven thousand regardless of how much is in it? Yeah, 
And yeah. often when you are buying the the barrels, you don't even you don't even get a right to know if it's filled. So you you kind of take it you take it on receipt. You don't take it on inspection. So uh-huh. you 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 take it on receipt of like whether or not uh, it's good. And so that's what's that's what's within the hands of some of the brokers right now. And um, yeah, yeah, you can get that barrel, and it is you know leaky and you get 50 bottles out of it and then you're stuck there thinking oh shoot i just paid seven grand for 50 bottles <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, uh, so yeah you're taking a really time to call it limited edition that's why i got broad scale yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> no nah, that's uh hello orphan barrel <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. so um last question while we're still on this topic is one of the things that we all are guilty of it everybody's sitting here is when you say that, Oh, I can taste the potential or I can, this is, this has a lot of potential. What is it in a cocktail? What what does that mean? Like, because in my opinion, when somebody says like, I can taste the potential, like whether it's, uh, you know, a spirit that's basically less than five or four years old, I'm kind of like, well, so you mean it's just not really that great right now. Right? Like what, what does it really mean to be able to judge something and say, I can see its potential. Yeah, for me, it's, you know, if you're getting good notes out of it, but then you're just getting a little bit of that green wood, a little bit, a little bit too, what would be the word? Just some of those young notes that you usually get. If you're getting a lot of good notes, but then just the, the greenness is coming through, that's what potential is for me. So if I'm getting good spice, good sweetness, um, but it's just not balanced because there is that youth in it, you get some of the, just the, the raw spirit taste. That's what I would call good potential. But, you know, it, it can be a cop-out answer because everything at two years old, you may say, is uh, tastes good has potential, but it's great for two years. Well, but I think that's flavor, just not finished. Yeah. And I think that's, so I just reviewed a long review on um, Pinhook's bourbon rye, right? And I know they're going to be switching over to Castle and Key to make the distilla down the road, but you know, younger rye, um, age at least 24 months. And it was, it was good. It had potential. I'd love to see what it looks like to me. Potential means, all right, let's review it in a few years. If you can put a little bit of age on this, let's see how that changes the characteristics. I think it's going to trend upwards, you know, like potential with anything, Sometimes potential comes true. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. And that's just real life too. So for me, potential is saying, Hey, I can, I can see it's good right now. I think it can be better. I think it's trending that way. Right. I have a little faith. Let's revisit it. Uh, Let's try it at a bar in a few years or buy another bottle and see what takes place. And hopefully it turns out to be true. Maybe not. You never know. But you know, to me, that's, that's potential when I say that in a review. And also price too. They're, you know, pricing $99 for two year ride. That's probably going to turn me off. My eighth grade uh, baseball coach told me I had potential and I didn't make it in baseball. So, <laughs> you know, uh, there, there are words that as a reviewer that, you know, I kind of use to give myself uh, an out of, um, you know, because sometimes things do turn for the better. Uh, it's true. Like I hated Redemption two-year-old. I hated it when it first came out. Uh, but I love that 15 year old and, you know, I love the eight year old that they had out. They came, that came out later, but I love, you know, redemption two year old made great cocktails. And so, you know, but also bartenders can mask a lot of things in cocktails. So, you know, potential is one of those, one of those words that if you hear and you're a producer, that just means that I don't love it that much. Yeah. Potential for me is, uh, it's tolerable. 
as it is now because most young whiskeys to me are not tolerable like i can't even finish them and so if i can at least finish it i think all right this has a chance <laughs> if know. i don't throw up from how bad <laughs> yeah. it is i think it's got potential yeah. exactly. <laughs> did you go blind you know did you go blind no okay it's got potential. okay true story i got a sample once from a california distiller that i started having uh blurry vision i put it down <laughs> Get right away, and and from that from that point on, I stopped taking, I stopped tasting uh, unlabeled samples. So that really wow. did happen to me once. That was like ten years ago. So I have uh, a quick quick side note on that. I have a guy who emailed me and said, "Hey, I want you to try this stuff. It's bourbon." I'm like, "Okay, cool. Where's it from?" No answer. He's like, "When can I get you the sample?" I'm like, "Yeah, no problem. Where's it from?" Still no answer. I'm like, buddy, are you distilling this in your backyard? Or like, I want to try your bathtub gin that uh, comes in an unlabeled. Uh, now I'm really not going to if I, I could. Yeah, I mean, blurry vision and uh, it's it's serious stuff, man. You can't uh, uh, you can't risk your health on that. You know, I mean, I've got plenty of other bottles I got to taste. Yeah, so. yeah, there, there's plenty of bourbon that I could be drinking without the chance of uh, losing my eyesight. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our, our next subject. And this is going to be uh, something where most of the people around here have had the opportunity to be able to try it. Heaven Hill has sent out samples for their next three releases that are be coming out. And we'll talk about each one uh, just for a few minutes individually, just to kind of give our, our group thoughts and figure out, mm-hmm. is it really uh, worth part of the chase or where do you kind of see it stacking up? So the first one that I want to kind of talk about is... Uh, well, well, we'll start off with the new Parkers, the new Parkers Heritage. So, Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. So the first one that I want to kind of talk about is, uh, well, well, we'll start off with the new Parkers, the new Parkers Heritage. So 
Uh, we talked about it a little bit before on the last round table. Uh, it was mostly just our thoughts, uh, you know, and I, I couldn't say uh, Curacao uh, correctly as well. If anybody wants to remember uh, shaving me on that one, but uh, now that everybody's had a chance to try this, it's a seven year, 110 proof. Um, I don't remember uh, much else. We talked about it because it was just a bunch of theories, but now that we've all had a chance to try it uh, just quick, kind of what's your opinions or thoughts. I'm going to try it real quick. And I just open it. I'll tell you, cause I had it a while ago. I've had it a couple of times. I don't hate it as much as I thought I would hate it. I don't, I don't dislike it, but it's still, you know, if I want a bourbon, I want it to taste like a bourbon. I guess that's my thing. Um, I like the price for it this year, 89 bucks. And I think for 89 bucks, it's a, it's kind of a different pour. So pricing it at that point, I think, you know, I I don't know anybody who's going to pass on it if offered given opportunity at retail, but you know, it is different. It's got that kind of orangey, uh, orangey lemony, flavor to it um i thought it finished a little better than i was expecting and um like i said i didn't hate it as much as i thought it would that shit is polarizing i'm telling you right now yeah. some people are going to taste it and they're going to be like i fucking hate this some people are going to love it it is it, in my career that's one of the most polarizing whiskeys that i've had for myself personally i started out hating it i tasted it again i loved it the next day i hated it the next day after that i loved it I mean, it's like a Jekyll and Hyde whiskey. And I really do think the guy who's behind it uh, is actually the person um, who helped uh, Booker know, you know, do the cognac finish in the late 1990s. He's kind of a he's kind of a cognac legend, uh, but he's done a lot of like barrel finishes to include the Willet, um, you know, Grand Marnier finish. And it it tastes nothing like his previous work. I mean, they aggressively used that Curacao barrel. They aggressively used it. It is the most prominent barrel finish flavor I have ever tasted. More so than the Willet, Fred. I think so. I thought the Willet was sweeter. Okay. I thought the Willet had a lot a uh, lot less of the bitter notes to it. I mean, you get orange rind on this. You get orange. You get uh, like uh, like the orange pulp. You get uh, orange. You get so much of the orange bitter. We just say like Minute Maid. I mean, we just keep orange. It's like you blend up oranges. <laughs> it's very orangey. It's an orange bomb. <laughs> it truly is. I mean, I, so I just pour it right now. Then yeah, you'll, take another sip. you'll take another sip and you'll be like, I don't taste any orange this time. Well, I taste I, orange every time. I, I think mm. you get familiar. The thing is, it's kind of like, I mean, it's an acquired taste within seconds, you know? So you you really do have to approach it unlike – and this is where – this is what I hate about the barrel finish. I hate this. They Everyone puts uh, bourbon finished in X cask. I really wish they wouldn't do that. While the government has allowed that, I really feel like it's a disservice to those of us who love – love bourbon because like you said you do not get bourbon with this you do not get it you get you get like a crazy whiskey and it's fantastic but you were you are going to get a lot of hate on it because it does have that bourbon on the label yeah and and i was kind of with you i did not like it now i'm going to go and try it again but i just had a small pour a few days ago didn't really review it just wanted to try it and i didn't like it it just I don't know what it was about it necessarily. And yes, I picked up some of the orange, but to me, it was just a little flat for what I was expecting. You're, you know, you're expecting a lot of this bourbon flavor with this kind of that high citrus note. Um, and, and it just, 
felt very muddled to me. So, Let me ask you all this. So our, our samples just came in today, so we're going to be diving in and reviewing those shortly. But in the meantime, Angel's Envy Rye is one that really pulls out a strong barrel finish, right? Like you got to, the, the rum influence is heavy on that. Is it similar to that sort of situation or even more extreme? No, because I think it, the rum probably sweetens it a little bit, right? Like I don't remember the last time I had the Angel's Envy yeah, Rye, I mean, this, this one is... still had a sharpness to it. Okay. It's definitely yeah. a lot more fruit forward, like okay. that you're gonna find. Um, it's like I mean, orange glow. Yeah, and that's what somebody put tang in the in the comments, and I was like, yeah, I'd probably get a little tang in there, right? I mean, you get a little bit of anything that is somewhat yeah, of an like orange, orange flavor. Yeah. What 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 I would rec- what I would recommend that you do is taste it three different times at three different days. That that's how I assess all my all my ratings and. And this is one where it cannot be more crucial for you to do this because you can taste it one time like Blake did and just fucking hate it, you know, and then you can taste it again like and love it. And what if what if you were to make that assessment um, on the time you loved it or you hate it? Really, there could be you know, for this. I think there's an in between for everybody. But I, I see someone like Wade Woodard just like getting on Twitter and going nuts over it because this isn't bourbon. People don't think it's bourbon. Not bourbon. Yeah, I, think, I see people going crazy over this thing. I actually like it. This is the first like bourbon or not bourbon, if you want to call it Fred, um, that finishes like on the front or mid of my tongue and not the back. Like, I don't know. It just lingers on the front end and not on the back. That's, you got swallow. I know. I did. <laughs> <laughs> but it just sits up here up front. Versus, you know, I don't know. It's just me. It's spicier on the front, yeah. 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 For me, it's, I'm, I'm kind of middle of the road on it. Uh, I'm not sold. I, I think it's probably one of those, those ones that if you can find it, great. I think you should get it. And it's kind of it, it sort of reminds me of like the polarizing of the the malt whiskey release from a few years ago, mm-hmm. where it's one of those things that it's it's not going to be like like uber popular. But it's also one of the ones that if you put it in a lineup and you just want to try something different, hey, it's it's something different, right? I mean, I think this is honestly one of those things that are going to keep us coming back to bourbon to try something different as everybody's starting to get on the rum train or the the Armagnac train and all these other things because we're these bourbon drinkers that want to try something different. And I think this is one of those those key categories where you can. It's just so disappointing. I, let me, I just say, want let like me say a, this. It's a very, this is very important to point out. And that is that um, money from these releases go to benefit the ALS Foundation. I was very close yeah. with Parker Beam. For sure. Parker was a dear friend of mine. I spent time with him on his final days of his life, went to his funeral, and it was just – I can't tell you what that guy meant to me and, and, and what he meant to bourbon. And so even if you – if you're in the spirit of giving, consider this a charitable donation. If you're willing to take that chance, if not, you know you don't want to give it. You know that I just ask you to you know, maybe give a little money to the ALS Foundation. I don't think anybody's going to pass it up at retail anyway. So I don't. No. I don't yeah, think I, that's I a poured my last bit that I had left out of the the sample for tonight to just give it a whirl again, and and I. I agree with Fred with good cause. Agree with whoever said at eighty nine this. I mean, you don't pass this up. Um, it's you, but you got to approach it knowing that it's going to be different and experience something different. I mean, they're they're not they're not trying to make this be a regular bourbon that you've tasted before. So give it a whirl. Yeah, and I think I think it's still we still need to be fair and give give our 
our thousands of hundreds of thousands of viewers our honest opinion of it regardless. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's move on just a little bit because I know we still have a few more topics left and we're running gonna run short on time. So the the next one that we're gonna do is the the next version of the old fits bottled and bond that'll be released, which is the fall twenty eighteen edition. For anybody that is they don't know, and they see all these cool decanters. They think it was a runtime, one-time run. It's not. Uh, they're going to have a fall and spring release for the next five years. So you're going to see a lot of those decanters come out, and they're all going to have different color labels. So make sure you keep that in your mind. So this was uh, fall of 2008. So we're looking at a 10-year, or uh, sorry, but it says nine-year on here. Of course, 100 proof. And I know from reading some of the reviews of you guys, you all thought this one was probably one of the better of the three. So uh, feel free to speak up. Whoever wants to take it on, it was great. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I was pretty critical yeah, of the loved first it. one, and and I thought this was much better. I, I still wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say I love it, um, but it, it was much more representative of that great looking bottle. I guess I'll say. <laughs> you know, I I I thought it was much improved, um, but still. I wouldn't put it $110. I would, I would pick the Parker's heritage over, over this. I, I just tried it again. Um, I think this is, this is a world beyond uh, the last release. Yeah. I think it's re- it's much, a lot much better. better. Yeah. Um, it doesn't fall apart like the last one sort of did. Uh, this is a, this is a definite buy in my opinion. If you can find it. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of this one. I, I really enjoy it. The last one was so disappointing that I'm happy with this one. I'd buy it. Out of the three, this is the this is the one I'm looking for. Sorry, Kerry. Out of the three, all of these, I'm I'm going I'm looking for the uh, for the old Fitzgerald. So I I was blown away by the first time I tried the sample of it, and then the next night I had my buddy Chuck over and we blindly poured this new one with the old the spring release of old Fitz. And surprisingly, we actually thought they were closer. I think we may have just gotten our taste buds muddled a little bit, but we thought they were closer than I had remembered. And the spring one was not as bad as I remembered. But then I tried it again last night and reaffirmed that it's really, really good. The fall release. Good deal. All right. So last one we're going to hit on is kind of like the one that I think most whiskey geeks are going to go a little ape shit over. Right. I mean, you see this big old number on the front, you see the, the number 27 heaven Hill aged 27 years. Uh, barrel proof at 94.7. So I know that this is one thing that we've talked about before, like the last Parker's that was the 24 year. Uh, I think there was somebody that commented that it was like drinking from uh, whiskey that was filtered through your grandmother's underwear. Um, <laughs> but I kind of want to get your all thoughts on something that's this old uh, before we, because uh, I, I just poured some myself, so I still got to kind of taste it. Yeah, so I actually love this one. I thought for 27 years old, it was incredibly well balanced. I'm assuming there's some pretty heavy filtration in there. Um, thought it still had a lot of good fruity notes in there. It wasn't just completely overly oaked. Um, but that was that was my opinion. Out of the three, I would. And now, granted, I know it's much more expensive bottle, but and just. If we lined all three of these up, I think I would pick the 27 year as my favorite. This is one of those, this is one of those bottles that it's, it's very historic. Uh, first of all, it's pre-fire. Uh, Heaven Hills Distillery burned down in 1996. So it's part of that whiskey that, um, you know, that Parker would have distilled at that old distillery. So it's very historic. And to that, 
I applaud it. Um, it is, you know, you don't taste a lot of bourbon that is good after 18 years. What Pabby Van Winkle's been able to do with their 20 and 23-year-old releases and to an extent with some of those great 25-year-old rise, that's nothing short of, of a miracle. And it's really about finding the right barrels and everything. This 27-year-old is the best uh, past uh, 25 years old I've ever tasted in a, in a bourbon. That said, I still scored it only in 86. I thought it had, um, well, it did not have, Blake is right, it was not over-oaked. It did not have a lot of those oaky notes that I was expecting to get. But what it did have is it had some of the, kind of like a, a little bit of a mildew, a little bit of a, um, like an oversaturated tobacco um there was a very heavy tobacco note on there and a bitterness that kind of came in toward the end and just hung there and then there were a lot of fruits a lot of dried fruits there was a lot of nice things happening to it the nose was phenomenal but when you got to that finish the finish just fell off and and really uh that's kind of what it was for me At at the end of the day uh the finish just collapsed um and nonetheless, you know, an 86 is still, that's still, for me, that's kind of in the league of like, for a lot of people, that would be like a 92. So um, an 86 is nothing to be ashamed of. But, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's your $400. And if, you know, you want to spend $400 on what I consider to be an 86-point whiskey, then knock yourself the, out. The that's nose fine. on this is unbelievable. I think it's great. The front end is very fruity, light of cherry, like cordial ice cream notes, but the finish just ruins this for me. I don't know the finish. Ruins it. Fra- yeah, it's so bitter on the finish for me. I, it's I, a little just, bitter. I agree the nose is really good. How, how does it compare? Does it, has anyone compared it to the Parker's release too? We're looking forward to doing that comparison ourselves. But uh, it's better. It's it? nothing like the 27 year but it is the exact same thing as the 24 year you heard it first from me right here it's the exact same thing the first sip i had of 27 i said this is parker's 24 and i've done three blind tastings since then with a buddy of mine we all agree it's the exact same thing two years later it's parker's 24 somehow there's one more age years later same exactly it doesn't matter they 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 uh made up a year or something but if you it's a leap year. Yeah. If you <laughs> liked Parker's 24, you'll like Parker's 27. It's just a question of whether you want to spend four. I didn't really like 20, the 24, but I, I did like the 27, which was interesting. Um, yeah. but Well, this one is this spring, and it's – no, this is fall of 1990, and it's the exact same thing as the 27 year. Jordan, what do you think? Again, Fred, our samples just came in today, so we'll be doing a uh, full review and write-up later, so we haven't had a chance to crack them and taste them yet. But we and are that's looking forward breaking to breakingbourbon.com, folks. Breakingbourbon.com. He's <laughs> <laughs> coming in playing cleanup. He's got to got to get some confirmation. You know, we save the best for last is what we like to think here at breakingbourbon.com. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and move on to – might be our last topic of the night because we are going to run a little short here, uh, a little long, should I say. Um you know, sticking with the Heaven Hill theme, uh, Heaven Hill entered, entered a, a new legal battle today. Um, this was something that our own uh, legal counsel here on the roundtable informed us about, that Heaven Hill is now suing Bob Dylan. Not Bob Dylan directly, but it is Heaven's Door Spirits, uh, which is Bob Dylan's sort of whiskey company. And the idea in here is something that 
Brian had actually mentioned on the show before about the Lanham Act, and we had a, a good in-depth conversation about it. And really what that means of going into infringement of the the name of Heaven Hill sounding somewhat similar to Heaven's Door. And there was a lot of a lot of good information that was put in the complaint as well as the expert uh, report that kind of came out of it. And before I let Brian sort of take it from here, uh, the one thing that I found super interesting was that there was a uh, kind of a summary paragraph that talked about almost, uh, I think it said there was uh, 200 respondents that went into this and almost 50% of the respondents said that there was some sort of uh, confusion with the name where they actually thought this could be a whiskey that was put out by Heaven Hill. So I'm going to let Brian kind of talk and get a little bit more in depth about what this really means and, and go into it. Sure. Uh, thanks. So, so first off, anyone who owns a, a trademark has to protect it. That's part of the Lanham Act. I mean, so it, it forces brands hands. So you've got Sazerac when you've got a Canadian whiskey called Bison Ridge, they have to sue Bison Ridge because they think that's too close to Buffalo Trace, which it, I don't think any of us would really think it is, but they had a picture of a buffalo on it with a mountain, and so they got sued, and now they don't call it Bison Ridge anymore. Um, so same sort of thing here. If if there is any hint whatsoever that, that of any confusion Heaven Hill has to protect its trademark, so that's what it's what that's what it's doing here. And a lot of these complaints don't come out with these expert reports like this one does. So this one has like a 170 page expert report that comes out with it, and they go through this study where they have 200 people in a survey and then 200 people more people in a uh, in a control group, and they um, in addition to the Heaven Hill brands and the Heaven's Door Heaven Door brand, they added in Angels Envy because of the connection with Heaven and Angels. And then Bowers Hill to add the the word hill into it, so that so you so the survey people couldn't tell that they're focusing on this on this new uh, new brand, this Bob Dylan brand. And over half of the people in the first two hundred said that there was confusion. It's like fifty six percent indicated that there was some confusion between Heaven Hill and and the new brand. And then in the control, you use a control group in these kinds of situations to reduce that. So it ends up being 39% of the respondents thought there was confusion, which is which is actually really high. I mean, maybe the, the folks who are listening to this aren't going to be confused about it, and they already know that it's something different, that it's not Heaven Hill. But when you look at regular consumers, this survey says that there's 39% confusion. And that's what the Lanham Act is, is focused on, is is there a potential for consumer confusion? And that's what Heaven Hill's trying to protect against here. Um, and I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. Is is there any confusion just in the in the sound of the name, in the shape of the bottle, and the way they do the label, and the in the trade dress? What do you guys think? For me, you know, the one one of the thing about Heaven Hill that mostly at least all the whiskey geeks know about is they've got a catalog of bourbon brands and whiskey brands and just spirit brands that not even employees at Heaven Hill know all of them, right? I mean, it's they're they're, they're massive, and so it's really hard. You know, I, I kind of feel a little bit bad for 
I don't say I feel bad for Bob Dylan, but I, you know, the, the whiskey company in general that they have to go through this, they probably spend a whole lot of time trying to figure out and brainstorm, like, what's this name going to be? Uh, how do we not get in sort of a trademark infringement? Right. And now they're getting put in this situation. Um, I, I think it, they do, you kind of do get backed up in the corner sometimes when you're like, okay, you gotta, you gotta go for it. Uh, unfortunately, you know, this is, this is one of those times that, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's shocking, um, but you know, we always see a lot of this coming out of Sazerac. This is probably one of the few times that we see it coming out of, of Heaven Hill. So, um, well, you, you actually do, it's happened a lot over, over the years. And this is, I mean, this is, I mean, Brian's got a book coming out about this. That's fantastic. And it goes through the various history of, of these disputes, but I, I'm really, I'm really saddened by this because I know the guy who's behind the real guy who's behind, you know, heaven's door. And he's just got a partnership with, with, um, Bob Dylan. He's just a great guy. And, you know, I know that he had no ill will here. He probably wanted to, you know, tap into his partner's, um, iconic legacy and heaven's hill, or heaven, heaven, good God, I just did the confusion. You did it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. I just gave him, wow. just gave him I, That's, that's actually. Yeah. That's exhibit one, Fred. That's exhibit one. <laughs> uh, uh, heaven's door, you know, that's, that is um, Bob Dylan's, you know, trademark. But, you know, there's a lot of thing that, you know, a lot of things they could have named it after, you know, with Bob Dylan still would have had just as much of impact. And I. I imagine that that's probably what they're going, you know, they've, they've got a lot of invested in this and, and everything. And it just, it, it's kind of Brian, it, it, why, what, what's the strategy from um, heaven Hill of doing this now versus the cola stage when they would obviously known about it or uh, you know, a year ago when they started making people, you know, sign NDAs to, you know, taste the stuff. What, what is the, what's the strategy behind doing it now versus then? It, it's tough to say. And they tried, Heaven Hill tried to address that in their complaint. They said they, they saw it with the COLA approval. They saw it with the trademark request. And then they monitored it to see if they actually came out with a brand and to see if they actually were going to name it that. Because as the, the whiskey enthusiasts all know, there's a lot of colas that come out that never turn into a brand. Correct. And people are working on brand names and they're working on on designs and all those sorts of things, and we never see them. So, so Heaven Hill says they were monitoring that, and now once they know that it's coming out, this is this is why they have to sue now is because now it's real basically. So what about the what about the blend that? Uh uh Diageo did a few years a couple years ago uh Haven Hill right what was that what was that blend it was part of uh it was with the guy Haven who's Hill off- Lodge Haven Hill Lodge Haven Hill yeah. Lodge that's right yeah. did they did they sue on that one uh Heaven Hill sued on that one and I remember and that's something I didn't have a chance to look up today whatever happened to it but I remember when that happened mm-hmm. there was a lawsuit so okay. that'll have to be uh I'll have to so they're at least they're at least consistent with that, uh, right? They're they're at least consistent, and that's what the Lanham Act re- requires. It requires the the trademark owners to to be vigilant, mm-hmm. and if you're not vigilant, you run the risk that you lose your trademark protection. I mean, it's, it's I mean, bad things can happen when you don't sue, and that's I think why you see so many cease and desist letters and, and lawsuits on this on this issue. I just don't understand how 
the heaven's door trademark attorney said, yep, this is going to pass. But I don't know. Just going through this a little bit myself, I just can't believe that they even thought this was going to not get some kind of problem. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, but I mean, you think about aside from being in the whiskey world, what's more popular? Bob Dylan's Heaven's Door song or Heaven Hill Distillery? So, oh. uh, you know, <laughs> burn! I mean, I, but you, you hate to put it, and I get how they can defend it because we are in the whiskey world with that. But a trademark attorney who's not that familiar is like, oh, of course, you know, it's like, um, you know, trying to take a Beatles song if the Beatles wrote Buffalo Trail or something and they came up with a bourbon about <laughs> that. Um, you know, so I, I, I kind of get how they would have that. Just think, yeah, of course, it's there's no confusion because everybody knows that song and nobody's confusing it with the distillery. Um, now, will Heaven Hill be successful? I don't know, but I think they're doing the right thing, kind of, um, you know, what Brian Point alluded to with they have to protect that that trademark. So I think they're doing the right thing. In my opinion, they probably won't win because, um, no judge wants to take down Bob Dylan. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on That's the a fair point. Uh, <laughs> well, Heaven Hill asked for an injunction on this, so it, it should be a case that moves pretty quickly. So, mm-hmm. uh, everyone stay tuned to sip and corn for updates, right? There you I go. think, uh, I think Dylan is now writing uh, Hurricane Part Two, where it's going to be about this lawsuit. You know, about <laughs> Brian. But in, in your expert opinion, do you think Heaven Hill's not even going to have to even worry about this? Like, it's they're going to get their what they wanted. Well, it's they're they're coming in from a position of power. I mean, they they've got. The well, I guess I don't know what the Heaven's Door resources are, but Heaven Hill has the resources. They're coming in with an expert report, which is is rare to do on the front end like this. So they're they're coming in with guns blazing. They mean and, business, and they mean business. They've got you know a stack of papers coming in already, and uh, and Heaven's Door has has a tough tough hill to climb. Uh, with this injunction request. So it'll, I mean, within a matter of days, we might know whether or not there's an injunction. So the, 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 the company behind it is um, uh, called liquid assets. It's one of the, you know, part of the team that's behind it. And you, you know, it's a, it, it's, it's got a really, a lot of really good, a lot of good talent uh, in the business. And, you know, they're, you know, they, they don't have the resources to hang with heaven Hill. No way. And well, Fred, how's the whiskey taste? Have you opened that yet? Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Didn't I say this when we saw that bottle, Fred, at your office? That that's not going to fly. Yeah, you did actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did, and then you broke my cork on something else. <laughs> yeah, that was- Ryan, you're exhibit two. This is yeah, great. I'm glad you remind him. Reminded him. Yeah. I mean, seriously, that was like one of my best bottles. I don't even remember what it was, but uh, you know. <laughs> I can't think of it. All right, so this, <laughs> this is Tennessee bourbon, um, which is uh, most likely Dickel. And, I mean, it's a great uh, bottle too. These designs are great. Yeah, that's that is a lot of investment. Mm-hmm. It, these, I mean, bottles, it's for anybody that's not watching video, it's like screen printed on glass, very embossed. Like it, it looks, there's a lot of work to it. Actually, it, yeah, it's it's uh, kind of engraved. Is it raised? A little bit. 
Yeah. yeah. The back part's raised. All right. And if uh, if anybody's looking for a, a new job, they actually have the guy that what he got paid in here. He said he was getting he was billing at his hourly hourly rate of six hundred seventy five dollars. Uh, so that's uh, that's not cheap. Well, it says it right in in the expert report that his connection oh, with this yeah. matter is being billed at his hourly rate of six hundred seventy five dollars. So, uh, but he is also a uh, graduate of Harvard Law School. Um, oh shit so oh, he, also, he also has a bachelor's and a master's degree in mathematics so he doesn't sound like he's an idiot he's nothing no. on ryan i can't wait to see <laughs> ryan. bring it bring it so it's very high on alcohol on the nose which what's the proof yeah. um it's 90 so uh, it's it's, wow. it, it's coming so. in very high on alcohol for me on the nose so it's got you know, you can always get a little bit of that. Um, it hits the back of my nose a little bit harder. But in terms of notes, a little bit of dried fruits, touch of vanilla, but not much. It's pretty flat on the nose. Everybody's waiting in anticipation. I know. This, See, it's a minute this is <laughs> like uh, kind of like a, Bob Dylan's like watching. <laughs> I can't wait to hear about the bourbon I'm never going to buy. <laughs> Yeah, it's not it's not recommended, but it's um, it's grainy on the on the palate. Uh, it's got a little sweetness, but it's kind of like a, kind of like a corn sweetness. So, you know, think like a cornbread batter or like a fresh cornbread right out of the oven. A little bit of a, maybe a little brown sugar on it, but it, there's not much to it. What about orange curacao? <laughs> so Matt on the comments I totally missed my own uh, tough hill to climb and well, that was no a great pun, pun intended that was a great pun I, I mean why didn't I why didn't I think of that I yeah mean, no pun intended right <laughs> well, fellas, right. listen I'm going to be the first to bail because I still have work I got to do go I, for it we're going to we're going to wrap it up with one more question um, so this caring. is one that I want to throw to the group and kind of just an easy one. So it's a fun one that we'll all just kind of uh, might have to think real hard about maybe looking your, uh, you know, your bourbon collection. But what do you consider a modern unicorn? So we all know that the, the old unicorns of the, the velvet glove and iron fist and, um, you know, the Parker's What's modern? Two. What's modern? I would say modern within the past two years. Oh, good God. That's not modern. That's old baldy, right? Baby. <laughs> I mean, you gotta you gotta think the Van Winkle twenty five year would have to be up there. Mm-hmm. Um if we're talking modern unicorns. Um aside so from what, that, we gotta back uh, up. What what's a unicorn? Well, I mean people the unicorn has slipped now. You've got some joker with Elmer T. Lee in his crotch. He says, I found this unicorn while hunting in the wild. I mean, no, no, stop, right? The only Elmer I've been checking my Instagram feed. Yeah. <laughs> the only Elmer T. Lee that was ever a unicorn were probably, it was probably the white label. And then you also had all the gold wax ones, right? I mean, yeah. those are probably the only ones that you consider probably the unicorns of Elmer's. But I mean, it, it, I, well, I say, think say the uh, commemorative one because I've got a couple of those to sell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I, mean, I would say the biggest <laughs> unicorn that I have is the Bourbon Roundtable Buffalo Trace that I wasn't yeah. even at. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I do still have some for sale. So if you guys. <laughs> no shame. No what, a, shame. what a dick. There you go. Andy's out. This is oh, cool. Andy. 
Bye, Bye, guys. It's been fun. Thank you. <laughs> Later, Carrie. Yeah, so I mean, if you guys have any other ideas of uh, I, this was one thing one thing that I saw on uh, one of the forums that people asked, what do you think is a modern unicorn? You know, there's there's they range anywhere from just anything in the Van Winkle lineup to anything mm-hmm. in the antique collection lineup. But Victor's uh, twenty five would probably probably be in that category. I'm a big fan of Victor's twenty myself. Uh, you yeah. know, having a bottle and uh, having a few friends over and they convinced me to open it was one of the worst uh, <laughs> drunk decisions ever. But you know, <laughs> it is it is it. a damn good bottle. It is a damn good bottle. I've got a couple, but I'm not going to say what they are. You come into the round table, you start knocking out of the bar <laughs> talking about vodka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fred's got a vodka unicorn. You know, it, it's true. I do have a vodka unicorn. It's uh it's called Bourbon Justice. You can find it in bookstores. Uh, <laughs> you know, I love fall. you. Yeah, that's Brian's book, everybody. It's gonna be, it's gonna be awesome. You want to read that? It's gonna, it's a great new history to uh, to bourbon. I'm so glad you wrote it. I really am. Um, it'll I change your life. Your help with it. And vodka <laughs> you know, justice to saying, follow uh, shortly. Recently, that, that you know, no one was around to kind of show him the ropes or or help him. And that's exactly what he did for me. So I'm I'm glad Fred's a part of this and and want to say thanks to him out loud for that. Yeah, you bet, man. I actually, you know, it's something I'm very passionate about. I really, it's part of like what I'm doing with Bourbon and Beyond is bringing a lot of people in to moderate. Brought uh, Blake in. Got I've got you in. I've got Ryan, unfortunately, and then Kenny. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. How Jordan, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you can make it out this year. Yeah, for sure. We're excited. Yeah, we're definitely excited. Um, and, um, I, you know, it, it, I really do mean this is that, you know, I had Chuck and Chuck was like, ah, good job. And that, you know, and that was like, you know, the the world to me, you know, 10, 12 years ago. But, uh, you know, I, I do, I, I want to see people doing good things in bourbon, you know, in terms of covering it and instead of uh, uh, becoming Instagram or famous. So, you know. <laughs> so Fred, unless you, unless you watch Blake, your last out. bourbon community table, Fred. I, I mentioned that uh, that for bourbon and beyond, I'm bringing a 17 old old tailor from the Panera. Um, oh, great! So if, you just admitted to you just admitted to, you just admitted no to bootlegging deal. in the festival. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> I heard nothing. <laughs> heard nothing. But if there's no appeal on the uh, Castle and Key case, I'm bringing a certain 17 year old bourbon. And well, you have, we're going to have, you also know me, so we'll be able to get you in. We'll be able that right. bourbon green room. We're supposed to be yeah. in. Just yeah, got upgraded. <laughs> Actually. Yeah. We're going to have some right. cool stuff. In the bourbon green room. I, I got like, upgraded. Uh, we're going to have some bourbon pursuit, uh, live tasting. So like all the celebrity chefs will be back there and all that. And you know, oh. I get, so oh, and I'm I get this. You should have told me that I'm gonna yeah, me stalk too. Tom Calicchio the entire <laughs> well, time. <laughs> Tom's a cool guy. You, you'd like Tom. He, oh, he's I'm actually, a big fan of Tom. Don't you don't have to? Hey, oh, I love Tom. Top chef for a Hey, listen, please do just, not follow these people just into send the me trailers. With <laughs> all, all I'm asking is that you all you all do not follow artists in their trailers. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> I mean, but my bites. I can't make any promises. My <laughs> reputation's on the line, guys. Please don't do that. <laughs> you you all did get the message though of being moderators. We all have to rent tuxes. 
So make sure you get your, your tux around. Uh, actually, there's only one requirement. You have to wear an ascot. <laughs> with an ascot. Oh, yeah. I'm actually trying to make the bolo tie. Two more tickets for sale. Yeah, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to bring back the bolo tie. Are you serious? Are you doing the bolo tie? I may. You know, I mean, I feel like we got to change it up a little bit. We got to, oh. <laughs> I'm doing boots. That's all I know. Represent Texas, y'all. That's yeah. all right. All right. All right. Let's go We're ahead. Off track. Yeah, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll wrap it up with that. So I want to say, uh, fellas, thank you all for for joining tonight. Carrie had to jump off early. Uh, this was a, a great conversation that we had. Uh, we peaked at almost around 70 viewers we had on at one point. So thank you, everybody, for joining in, being a part of this, watching it live. It's always fun to get a lot of your conversation that's happening in the chat. And we can take those conversations and turn into a good, lively banter that we have here on the Community Roundtable. And also, don't forget to go and be a part of Bourbon Beyond. Get your tickets at bourbonbeyond.com. Or you can enter to win free tickets at Bourbon Pursuit's Facebook page. Uh, Bourbon Pursuit Patreon as well, as well over at Breaking Bourbon. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to the guys to let them kind of do their outros. So Blake, you go first. Yes, I'm Blake from Bourboner.com. Thanks for having me. Always fun. Um, I am the Cal Ripken of the Bourbon Community Roundtable. <laughs> I've never missed a single episode. So um, keeping that streak going. You say that every time. I get it. <laughs> and it's true every single time. So uh, you can check me out, bourboner.com, and also now at sealbox.com. So that's S E E L B A C H S.com. Brian, go ahead. All right. Uh, thanks again. I love it. Uh, I've missed a couple. I can't uh, can't keep up with Blake, but that's all right. You got a pretty good uh, Find me mostly on Twitter, uh, Twitter and my blog, Sipping Corn. Uh, find out about uh, legal history of bourbon and current legal issues involving bourbon. Thanks, guys. And Jordan. Sure. Uh, one of the three guys from Breaking Bourbon. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon at BreakingBourbon.com. Make sure to sign up to our newsletter, too. And as um, Kenny stated, make sure you check out their Facebook and Patreon page and our Facebook and Instagram page and a way to win tickets to the Bourbon and Beyond Music Festival. We're really looking forward to drinking with hopefully you all who are watching and most especially drinking with uh, everyone who's been on this video chat tonight. So it's been fun. Looking forward to meeting you all in person again. Absolutely. And while we're still on that modern unicorn talk, Confucius Max said the old medley solar eclipse. And we don't talk about solar eclipse on the round table. We know that that's, that leads to bad things. So, uh, but uh, Fred and Ryan, go ahead and close us out, guys. We still have to get our, 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 uh, yeah, our flow down about how we're going to close out shows now when all three of us are on. Who, who, you go first. No. No. Uh, <laughs> Thanks everyone again for joining us. I know it takes time to uh, do this and put it on. It's this is one of our funnest shows. I really enjoy this, and I'm loving this old fits. Uh, this is the really good stuff. But um, looking forward to Bourbon Beyond. It's going to be so much fun. We had so, a great time doing the Bourbon Pick, so I'm excited for moderating this. I'm freaking out that I have to moderate. But uh, anyways, if you want to support us, please do on Patreon, and then if you want. To give us some show suggestions, comments, feedback. We love hearing from our listeners. They give us the best ideas for show. And Fred, here you go. Ryan, you'll do great at Bourbon and Beyond. I know you will. So I know. I'm uh, the new one-third of, um, of Bourbon Pursuit. Um, I'm launching a magazine. It's called Bourbon Plus. Go check it out at bourbonplus.com. It's, um, my publishing partner is uh, 
Covey Rise, and it's one of the most brilliant magazines in the in the space right now. And I think that when you see what what I'm what I'm trying to do of telling the personality and everything of Bourbon, it it will grab it you know it'll grab you by the heartstrings. And I'm the Bourbon curator of uh, Bourbon and Beyond. So all those festivals, everything, that's what I've been doing for for about a year is uh, building building up the programming, helping the Bourbons and. You know, a little bit with the musicians, but mostly the bourbons. But so please come on out to Bourbon and Beyond. Uh, check out the giveaways of BreakingBourbon.com and BourbonPursuit.com. Awesome. With that, we'll see everybody next week. <laughs>